the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears with me. Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Frantz. Well, good morning, my friends. Thank you so very much for joining us. We are underway at 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this 11th morning of the 8th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. And by my calendar, I believe that makes this a free-for-all Friday! <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. And we have go- we are going to make this a free-for-all today. We have uh, one great guest who's going to be joining us to talk about something very, very important. Uh, but we are loaded, loaded with space for your phone calls today. Lots of opportunities throughout all three hours. Uh, we're going to be talking with Nancy Skur at 10.05 about getting trash uh, curricula out of your kids' classrooms. What methods might there be beyond, obviously, replacing school board members, woke school board members who hire woke administrators and approve woke curriculum, a curricula. Uh, beyond that, there are some things that can be done. Nancy Skur is going to join us to tell us about that at 10.05, so an hour from now. Beyond that, though, literally just you and me. And we have a lot of work to do this morning, a lot of very important things to talk about on this Friday morning. We're going to start with our pledge. Yesterday we did it near the bottom of the first half hour. We are going to do it now here to start the program so we do not get behind. Friends, patriots, 
and uh, conservative warriors who believe in that flag. If you do so, please stand up and face it if you have it. If you don't, work on getting it. Put your hand on your heart and join us for this pledge. If you are a believer in Marxism, socialism, or communism, short, uh, short, more, more, more uh, succinctly phrased, if you are a Democrat and you don't believe in that flag, well, don't consider yourself forced. We don't want to force you to do anything you don't believe in your heart. So if you'd rather, go ahead and take a knee over there next to that X quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, so... We're going to start this morning, not in our own backyard, not even within the the boundaries of the United States. I call them boundaries. I don't know if we actually have borders anymore under the current leadership. The borders seem to have been erased. We're going to start outside of that because of um, what continues to happen inside of the borders. Let me explain. Maybe you saw this already. Maybe you didn't. In the UK, something is happening um, that is inconceivable to me and maybe to us who have been spoiled by the First Amendment to our Constitution that guarantees us our rights to speak freely, even in ways that some people might disagree with. Shockingly, believe it or not, you are allowed to say things in the United States that you are Uh, not allowed to say in some other places because we have that First Amendment. And even if someone disagrees with it, if someone is offended by it, it is still protected by the First Amendment with very, very, very rare exceptions. What's happening in the U.K. is something that, quite frankly, radical leftists in the United States have expressed a strong desire to have happen here. Okay, that's that's reality. In Michigan, in to be specific and precise, in Michigan, um, there is already a bill that is working its way through the legislature that would criminalize words, that would criminalize speech, particularly if you say something that somebody finds to be offensive and thus intimidating about, for example, their pronoun choices. And yes, it still blows my mind that we have to say things like there are pronoun choices, because the reality is there are not. There is there are not pronoun choices. Pronouns are very, very simple. They're subject, they're object, they are plural, they are possessive. Uh, they are not allowed to be made up, and they're not allowed to be, uh, when it comes to uh, sex, sex pronouns, in other words, males referred to as he and him, and himself, and so forth, and and females the opposite. Uh, the idea that we have to talk about that is just ridiculous on its face. But let's talk about it, because up in Michigan, if you use the wrong pronouns for the wrong people, um, according to new legislation, you, you too can be taken off in handcuffs and locked up. This is their desire. This is their 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 plan. And it's not limited to Michigan. It's something they're trying to advance around this country, that if you say something that somebody else is offended by, you can be arrested, cited, fined, maybe even imprisoned. Well, in the U.K., it's already happening. 
That's the reason for the story. A 16-year-old autistic girl was arrested in the U.K. by the West Yorkshire Police after a female police officer accused that autistic 16-year-old of saying homophobic things. The crime the teen allegedly committed was saying, I think she's a lesbian. That's it. I think she's a lesbian about a female police officer. She was arrested violently, physically arrested, despite her autism and her own propensity for self-harm when she gets stressed and triggered by certain stimuli. You probably know this. It's true of people uh, not all people, of course. There's a wide range of of autism. You know, on or, you know the spectrum of, of the aut- autism scale is is very wide. Everybody is different, but for many of them, there is there's a propensity for self harm, such as banging their own head, uh, harming themselves because they are extraordinarily stressed in a in a very difficult moment moment for them that might not ordinarily be for other people. But the autistic part of this is only a a side part of the story, because autistic or not, just a person in a normal frame of mind, imagine being arrested for words, being arrested for saying something that somebody else didn't like. And we're not talking about threatening a president or threatening a, you know, there are words that you I mean, you can't say and you can't go online and say, I want to, you know, I don't know if I should say it out loud here. Somebody could clip the, the comment and take it out of context and post it. But if you were to say something like, I want to, you know, blank, blank, you know, the president of the United States, or I want to, you know, threats are, are very, very different, of course, than statements and very, very different than just observational words. Uh, and even offensive words, very different. So we're focusing on that. The mother of this girl, who goes by the name, the mother is uh, Nikita Snow. She goes on on uh, by by that on social media. I don't know if it's a real name or not. It doesn't matter. She explained that her oldest daughter, who was 18, had been out with friends just a few days ago on August 7th. Her 16-year-old daughter Amanda was also with that group. The older daughter, the 18-year-old, contacted police after the younger daughter, the 16-year-old, began to act in, quote, unsafe ways because she was unable to reach her mother. This was a stressful situation for her. She explained when she contacted the police that her younger sister was autistic and needed a safe escort home. That was the request. The mother said, quote, they said they would come and assist in getting her home as she is vulnerable with her being diagnosed with autism. When they arrived where my two daughters were, Amanda, the younger, the 16-year-old autistic girl, refused to travel alone with them and wanted her sister to come with her. So the sister agreed. The mother claims she was woken uh, woken up at 1 a.m. to the sound of knocking at the door. It was the West Yorkshire police with her two daughters. They said they were just bringing her home safely. But, quote, One of the officers had hold of Amanda and was squeezing her arm very tightly. She asked me to get the officer off her arm as it was hurting, so I guided my daughter inside. As Amanda was being brought into the house, she made a remark about the female officer that touched off this scuffle. 
Snow said, this is the mom, said that the daughter said, quote, I think she's a lesbian like Nana Julie, end quote. She noted that the officer had short blonde hair, and I just felt a jolt on my back. The officer had launched herself in my home at me and Amanda and was grabbing her. She said Amanda was rushed to a cupboard under the stairs and began crying, not knowing what was happening. She started self-harming out of stress, per the report. She was crying and saying sorry to the policewoman. That's when I grabbed my phone and started recording. This video is viral on social media, if you don't know this. Video footage showed multiple police officers surrounding the cupboard as Amanda backed herself in for safety. The female officer said she's getting arrested. Another unit's coming. Don't worry, I'm telling you another unit is coming and she is going to get arrested tonight. The mom pleaded with the officers, trying to explain her daughter had autism. The officer did not care. The video exploded online with the West Yorkshire police ultimately publishing a statement on the incident, saying that Amanda had been arrested, quote, on suspicion of a homophobic public order offense. The nature of the comments made was fully captured on body-worn video. I'm going to stop there to illustrate the obvious. The police actually confirmed she was arrested for words, not harm. She didn't strike an officer. She didn't threaten an officer. She didn't do anything that that one would consider criminal. But one would be wrong when leftism and wokeism takes hold the way apparently it has in West Yorkshire and apparently in the U.K. all around. Apparently, it's criminal to say someone looks like a lesbian. There is suspicion, according to the actual report by the police, the statement of a homophobic public order offense. In other words, there is not freedom of speech in a Western European nation, in the entire kingdom, the UK. There's, they don't have a First Amendment there. The fact that this video exploded online is good. But I hope it's good for the right reasons. Sadly, there are leftists in the United States who are online championing the actions of the police. Good, they're writing. Hold them accountable. Do that here, they're writing. They don't care about the girl. They don't care about her autism. They like hate speech legislation. The problem, of course, becomes if you try to do that in a country like ours that has a First Amendment, you kill a country like ours, which has relied upon the First Amendment to become what it has become over 247 years. The greatest bastion of liberty in the history of civilization. If we bring this type of of policy, criminalizing words, not threats, just words, observations, she looks like a lesbian. Is it is it comfortable to hear that? Maybe especially if you're not a le- if you are a lesbian, the officer probably ought to nodded and said, "Yeah, I am. Good, good eyes." If you're not, understand that. Well, that's okay. That's your mistake. No, you're wrong, but. How on earth does this warrant of physical and violent arrest? 
And if you watch the video that has gone viral, you'll find it to be all of that. I tweeted it. Find me on Twitter, Bob France, France France. Uh, I tweeted it. You'll see it yourself. As they grabbed her by the arms, twisted her around, her mother said, by the way, in addition to autism, she has scoliosis. Her back, you're hurting her. They didn't care because she had dared to say words that someone did not like. The Stop Hate UK organization has a tweet that was actually posted on August 6th in support of their Pride Parade. If you're headed to Leeds Pride today, we hope you have a fabulous time. If you need us, we are here 24-7, and that gives a phone number. Download our West Yorkshire reporting app. Or visit StopHateUK.org. What does that mean? Here's the tweet in in, uh, graphic form. If you witness or experience LGBTQI plus hate crime in Leeds, you can report it to Stop Hate at this phone number. Also download the, the, the app. We have the West Yorkshire Hate Crime Reporting app. Be proud of who you are and report hate crimes. Hate crimes can simply be words. That's the way it is in the UK. And that's what the left wants to bring here to the United States. Free speech versus hate speech is defined in the UK. You do not have the right to say things that other people are offended by. That is considered hate speech. The problem is knowing what offends every single person you talk to. If you say something that doesn't offend you and doesn't offend 99% of the people you know, but somebody else finds offense, you too can be reported to 1-800-138-1625, the Stop Hate Speech Crime Unit. This, my friends, is why we fight. This is why we fight for the First Amendment. This is why we fight wokeism. This is why we fight radical laws. This is why they damn well better fight in Michigan. Because Michigan will become the first state, I think, to criminalize speech, pronouns. If somebody decides I'm triggered by that, here's your handcuffs. Let's go. I welcome your thoughts on this. Do you think this could happen in the United States? And do you think we're capable of stopping it? 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We'll be back. Reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. Let me uh, let me really underscore this before I go to the phone calls. Because I, I need you to react to this. I, I see a lot of people want to talk about issue one, what happened on Tuesday, look forward to November. That's fine. We'll do that in a second because it's free for all Friday. But I do need your reactions to this. This is... This is as fundamental a threat to who we are and what we are as a free, capitalist, representative republic guided by the most glorious document in the history of human civilization, the the, uh, United States Constitution, uh, and in principle, its Bill of Rights, and more specifically, the very first one um, that is identified, which is our right to speak freely. We have to be able to speak freely. Michigan passed a bill that would not only make it illegal to use the wrong gender pronouns, it wouldn't even be a simple misdemeanor. 
the House of Representatives in the state of Michigan passed a bill that would make it a felony. A felony, to use the wrong words. This is from uh, June 30th, so a little over a month old, but it's where it, where it was at the time, and it continues to work its way through now. Michigan State House of Representatives has passed uh, House Bill 4474, a piece of legislation that criminalizes causing someone to feel threatened by words. Under the bill, offenders are guilty of a felony punishable by imprisonment for not more than five years and a fine of not more than $10,000. Intimidate means a willful course of conduct involving repeated or continuing harassment of another individual that would cause a reasonable individual to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened, and that actually causes the victim to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened. The bill specifically addresses sexual orientation and gender identity or expression. According to the bill, gender identity or expression means having or being perceived as having a gender-related self-identity or expression, whether or not associated with an individual's assigned sex at birth, end quote. So in other words, some little girl comes to school and says, I'm no longer Jenny, I'm Jim, and a a little boy, or let's make it a little bit more egregious, a staff member says, Jenny, go sit down now, and refers to Jenny as what Jenny is, a little girl, a she or or her, and when calling upon her or referring to her, that little boy could be subject to criminal penalties that teacher that staff or that adult would certainly be subject to potential arrest and imprisonment as a felon for daring to not play along with the fantasies and the confusion or the um sadly the mistaken identity of the of the child And when I say mistaken identity, I mean these little kids are being intentionally indoctrinated. They are being intentionally groomed into these alternate identities and identifications. They're, They're being told that they're something that they're not, or that they should become something other than what they are. And then if... Other individuals, once the kid has been convinced to saying something about, uh, you know, about a new identity, if, if other individuals don't play along with the delusion, don't play along with the fantasy, don't participate in the charade, they could then go to jail. The bill passed the Democrat-controlled House in Michigan 59 to 50. It's now in the Senate. And it will be signed by Gretchen Whitmer, who, Whitmer, who is trying to control how people talk in Michigan. If you think what is displayed in that video I just told you about in, uh, in, in the UK is disturbing, if you find you know, problems with that, get ready. It's coming to a state very, very near us. It's coming into our country. This is what their intent is. And if you think this is all about protecting you know, the, the LGBTQ plus community, and this is just simply looking out for people who are vulnerable, people who are maybe, um, I don't know what's the word, you know, uh, they're, they're vulnerable, they're targeted, et cetera, et cetera. They're in a protected class because they're marginalized. Whatever wording you want to use there. If you think this is about that, my friends, think deeper. 
Don't be a shallow thinker. Go deeper. They're using this particular marginalized class or this marginalized group to do something that they want to do and have been trying to do for a very, very long time. And that is simply control the people. It's, it's, it's tyranny they desire. It is tyranny. It is government control, first of what you say out loud and eventually of what you think. You can't even think it. If you don't think it, then you won't say it. And if you don't say it, well, then we have no problem here. This is literally an attempt to control the emotions, the thought processes, and then the actions, including just spoken words of the people. They're doing it with the heavy hand of governmental authority in the U.K. right now, which used to be considered a relatively free Western European state. And if you don't think that is on its way here post-haste, and I mean seriously at warp speed, then again, you're thinking too shallow. This is what their goal is. It is controlling what you say and controlling what you think. This is on its way. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'll take your thoughts on this. It is important. I think this is as important as anything. This is why I'm, I'm the uh, National Communications Director for Citizens for Free Speech, CFFS, online at citizensforfreespeech.org. And by the way, prayers to our director and founder, uh, Patrick Wood, who is undergoing some medical maladies now that I will not um, uh, publicize. But uh, just do me a favor, if you could, make a sign of the cross and say a prayer for Patrick Wood. I would... Certainly be appreciative, and so would everyone at CFFS. But this is why we fight. This is why we fight. We fight for the rights to say what we want to say. And we do not, we do not accept the idea that saying something that somebody else might have hurt feelings over should warrant a jail cell for us. It simply cannot be. That is exactly what the founders intended with the First Amendment to stop, to stop the people from not expressing themselves for fear of being jailed. That's tyranny, and that's for crying out loud. It's why we fought the Revolutionary War. It's why they had the guts to write the Declaration. Before they wrote a Constitution, there was a Declaration of Independence from Tyranny, from the British Crown, from not being able to do these things, and to be free, to speak freely, to speak ill of the the monarchy. It's exactly why we broke free and why so much blood was shed to create this great nation. And 247 years later now, they want to go back to it. The government will decide what you can say and how you can say it. And if somebody files a complaint saying, I felt intimidated by that, I felt harassed by that, somebody keeps, it's ma'am. Remember the big linebacker-looking dude who went into the store and was greeted with a sir and freaked out? That's another viral video. It's ma'am threatening to take him outside and beat the hell out of him if he didn't refer to him as a her. Well, now it's not just threat of being beaten up if you don't participate in their game. Now it's a threat of, I'm calling the cops. This guy called me ma'am three times. Once might be a mistake. Second and third time, it's intimidation. It's harassment. Felony! And suddenly you've got a record. This is not fantasy. This is reality. It's coming. It's on the uh, uh, in the uh, uh, legislative process in Michigan and probably in other blue states as well. All right, uh, John is in uh, Chardon. John, sorry to make you wait so long there. I know I uh, this is a very important issue though. John, go right ahead. You're on. Yeah. There. Hey, uh, talking about Mitch McConnell. I haven't heard since he got sick. He had a problem, physical problem, and that's been a little while back. And 
haven't heard a thing from him or about him. And uh, so, you know, he's the head. He has, has a big job. And I'm just wondering if you have any insight about that. No, nothing. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> they, they, they've, they've said he's fine healthy, health-wise, but he did. He froze. I think he had a little mini seizure there. I don't know exactly what it was, but he froze and couldn't speak for about 25, 30 seconds. And, uh, you know, the, he hasn't spoken publicly since, but uh, I have not read anything that said he's on death's door or he is, uh, you know, hospitalized or anything of that nature. He's just probably out of the public eye for a while, but that's all I've got. Okay. Okay. Sounds right, John. good. Thanks uh, for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to um, Charlie. Charlie in Brownhill. Hi, Charlie. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Yeah, what, what, what you're talking about, about 10 years, 15 years ago, they brought in this thing called hate crimes. Yeah. And that's the nose under the, the camel, the camel's nose under the tent. They, How can you distinguish what a hate crime is? And they're always saying, well, I think it's a hate crime. You know, Every crime should be considered a hate crime. The penalty should be equal. Every time you commit a crime, the same penalty. You can't get into somebody's heart and what they were thinking about when they when they did the crime it's it's ridiculous well i don't disagree but, with the word of that and the worst part about it though charlie is that it is applied so uh, unevenly because basically if a member of a majority class commits a crime against a member of the minority class they can automatically say well that was a hate crime against that minority class minority meaning number um, if a member of the minority class commits a crime against a member of the majority class, um, there's no hate crime ever attached. And what that means is if a, 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 a racial minority, a black person, attacks a white person, there's no hate crime. If a white person attacks a black crime, uh, which is the minority group, the marginalized group, the protected class, they're going to file hate crime charges. And you're right. They have to determine what's in the heart of the individual committing the crime as to whether or not there was hate motivating the, the, uh, the crime. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It is completely uh, uneven. It's unfair, and it does not. It has no business, quite frankly, in our in our in our criminal justice system. But that's what they right. did. The Supreme, the Supreme Court should rule it out. But what I was calling about is how about issue one? How how we lost pretty pretty significantly. Well, they were well well more organized than we were. They were they were strategic. They know that this you know Michigan passed. Kansas passed uh, abortion uh, uh, on demand, basically, to the ninth month. It's ridiculous, and it's coming to Ohio. Ohio's going to become the destination point in the country, a tourist point from all over the world. When I was with Operation Rescue, we went out to Kansas, and we were protested in front of this Dr. Tiller's place, who was taking them to the ninth month. They were flying them in from Rio de Janeiro. They were flying them in from Rome, Italy, nine months pregnant. They'd come out without babies. It was It was horrific. And what the left is doing, they're, you know, they're strategic. They, they know Ohio's vulnerable. They're going to spend, you know, an unlimited amount of money. They put marijuana on the issue so they, they know all the lefties are going to come out for that in November. And we're going to be really up against the wall. We've got to come up with strategies. We should have... You know, made this a 60% threshold. Okay, let, me, yeah, let, me, let me respond to some of that, Charlie, uh, because I, I'm going to get some other folks, too. Thanks okay. for the call. Let me say this, uh, and keep listening, though, but thank you for the call. Let me say this. Um, yes, they were more strategic. They also had the funds with which to be more strategic. Remember, they brought in $14.5 million for their campaign, which is why they were able to get commercials on much earlier and beat people over the head with misleading advertisements. That was huge. All right, To, to, to give you a comparison, $14.5, 15000000 million to $4.5 million, almost 4 to 1, was spent by the yes side. So they could spend what they could spend. 
Uh, and so much of that money that, that was brought in on the no side came not just from out of state, and obviously everybody knows money came in from out of state on both sides of the issue, but from out of the country through dark money organizations that was not supposed to be traceable. Thankfully, Jack Windsor tapped into some sources and found the Swiss billionaire that was bankrolling through a number of different front organizations, which is what makes it dark money. Money coming in from out of state is not dark money on its face. For example, Richard Uline, who is one of the donors to the Yes on Issue 1 campaign from his perch in Illinois, never hit it at all. It was very well known that he donated money to this cause because he's very significantly, he and his family are pro-life. That's not dark money. Dark money is hidden money. But they had a ton of hidden money, and they outspent almost four to one. So they were able to get their uh, their campaign up. It was much more strategic. It was launched much earlier, and quite frankly... Part of the other problem was there were far too many rhino Republicans in the state of Ohio who did not actively support issue one. There are Republicans who were supposed to step up and stand up uh, for issue one and protecting our Constitution. That's what this was about. And they didn't. And it starts with our governor who didn't do squat. He didn't travel. He didn't make appearances. Some some did the best they could. Keith Faber, uh, you know, uh, uh, LaRose, obviously, uh, Robert Sprague, you know, a lot of other state office holders did. They they traveled. They went to speaking events. Candidates like Bernie Marino, uh, even Matt Dolan, they did. The, I mean, they, a lot of people did what they could, but there were a lot of Republicans who stood down, and they did not want this to pass. I'm disgusted by it. I'm repulsed by it, but that's what happened. And now the question is, is will they step up? Uh, in November to try to stop the uh, the abortion on demand and uh, transing on demand, which is what the language essentially says, of children without their parental input. Will they step up for parents' rights in November when they would not this past Tuesday? I don't know the answer to that question, but I challenge them to do that. Tanya is in Akron. Hi, Tanya. Fire away. Hey, Bob. Long time. <clears throat> I think you're totally right about the rhinos that didn't stand up. But I think we also have to look point of finger. I point the finger at myself. I did vote early, but uh, there was an issue in Kenmore where they had a drag story hour, and I didn't go to it. And I needed to. I needed to go to that, even if I was the only one there. I should have gone and protested that. Uh, that was right in my backyard. Uh, you know, but can't do anything like that anymore. But we have to get out. The, we have to open our mouths, wear our shirts. I was telling Mary Ann, I have my uh, freedom shirt on. God, you know, God's children are not for sale. And if someone else wants to say something about it, we'll be in a conversation. But we have to be able to have these conversations, and we can't self-censor ourselves. And we have to be able to... Go to places that are uncomfortable for us to represent our voice. No one's going to represent our voice but ourselves. And I, I regretted what I didn't do, and I had to, you know, just to, you know, make amends for that for myself. But I won't do it anymore. It's not just talking; it's about showing up. It's about putting our money where our mouth is, supporting the causes that we the fight. You know, they know the, the liberals really will put their money in their leaders. Their millionaires and billionaires will support their causes. Our millionaires and billionaires, some of them will not. They want to make it all political. We have to fight the right fight at the right time with funding 
and safe and be fearless. Well, I'll tell you what, Tanya, uh, and thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, it is about all of those things. And, yes, visibility at events like that to show uh, not here's, – here's what's important. When they have things like that drag story hour and these drag presentations at libraries or public parks and drawing children to it, um, yeah, I suppose you want to show up there and, and, and counter-protest peacefully, of course, uh, to, to tell them that we don't like what you are doing here, we disagree, uh, and, and we, we want to stop you. But the real reason to me to show up to events like that is to show the lawmakers th- that our community in large numbers, opposes the sexualization and the grooming of our children. That's the real reason it's important to show up to to those places. And even if they're not watching, then you tell them. It's important to tell legislators, city council members, mayors, and so on and so forth in these communities, we don't want our children being exposed to things that are inappropriate, age inappropriate for them. And guess what? You wouldn't allow a, a straight stripper from, uh, you know, Tiffany's or wherever to come in and, uh, and read in a, in a sexualized outfit to children and then to twerk in front of them. You wouldn't allow a straight stripper to do it. So why are you letting fake strippers, uh, men dressed as women in sexualized outfits, outfits come to do this? What's appropriate and what's, what's, uh, what's right for children is something that we need to, uh, we need to express to the leadership, not to the individuals who are doing it as much as to the leadership. Show them this is going to cost them their jobs. If you won't pass ordinances that, that forbid these things, that protect our children from these types of influences, well, then we will replace you with someone who will. That's who really needs to get the message, and that's why showing up at events like that uh, is important if you do it in the right way. Tanya, thanks for the call. we got more coming up right after this. rendezvous with destiny we'll preserve for our children this the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness Darkness. this is always right radio on am 1420 the answer is your host bob france Hour number two underway now at 10 minutes past 10 o'clock on this free-for-all Friday. It is the 11th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Did you, you know, we haven't talked about this earlier this month um, because we're talking about indoctrination. We're talking about grooming. We're talking about the miseducation of kids. And sadly, uh, the kind of conspiratorial or collusionary relationship between schools and willing parents willing to sacrifice their kids, sexualize them with inappropriate materials long before their age uh, age appropriate, if you will. But we didn't talk about this earlier. Did you know about the Colors Plus Youth Center in Fairview Park? That they are taking taxpayer dollars from Cuyahoga County to run this uh, uh, this youth center that includes monthly drag tutorials which are led by local drag performers. Their goal to teach youth to creatively express themselves and their identities 
in a safe, affirming, and age-appropriate way. This is this is unbelievable. I, I we didn't talk about this story. This is your tax dollars. If you're a Cuyahoga County resident, your tax dollars are funding the continued grooming of children. It's happening in community centers like this with your money, and it's happening in schools with your taxpayer dollars as well. I want to talk a little bit more about that now. And joining me from Raise Your Voice is an activist who is uh, presenting and apparently meeting on a semi-regular basis with Ohio Department of Education officials uh, to discuss the uh, curricula and the uh, allowance of this sort of material in schools, uh, particularly in primary schools. Nancy Skur joins us now to talk about how to remove some of this radicalism from our schools. Uh, Nancy, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you today? I'm doing well, Nancy. I know you are a graduate of the Ohio State University School of Nursing. I know you have had a long and successful career in nursing, 41 years, as a matter of fact, as a coronary intensive care nurse. But that's all I know. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing. Okay. Well, first of all, in order for you to fully understand what I'm doing is I am simply going ahead and exercising my civic responsibility in order to save our children. Um I have done, for the last two years, I've been doing extensive research on trying to find out how it's happening, what we need to do to stop it, and what laws are available to all parents that we can go ahead and collectively stop this in our schools, and that's what I'm doing. Uh, have I you have been an filed... activist? Uh, Nan, I apologize. Uh, have you been an activist before uh, in, your, yes, in, you know, I have. in your career? T- tell me how. Okay. Well, as a young nurse, I was pregnant with my second son, and what had happened was I, as a nurse in this local community, I had seen so many children deathly ill from what we call gastroenteritis. In other words, something is causing that the kids are being exposed to are causing them to become ill. And I went ahead and found out that through intensive research that this was due to the fact that our uh, sewage treatment plant in our particular community was ineffective. It was draw, uh, dumping raw sewage into the waters of the state and the kids were getting sick. So what I did was I launched a campaign and nothing is in a vacuum. And so it, it, it intensified because then there was people in the community, people with money, getting hookups to our sewage treatment plants, and everybody else was being denied. So what I did was I put it in the forefront. I met with the Department of Natural Resources, Water Resources, the Public Service Commission, and the Public Health Commission. And we did this with 600 people. What I did was I had I had people sign pre-printed letters, and we sent them to all these different organizations, and they had a hearing. And, and as a result of that hearing, we stopped the problem. They put us from uh, maybe a fifth on the level for a new sewage treatment plant to number one. It became a crisis, and that's what that's how we did it. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's so we, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Go ahead, finish that thought, please. 
but you never mess around with a pregnant woman. I want to tell you that much. <laughs> well, it sounds like you are uh, you are well versed in in activism and obviously doing what you say, as you say, is a civic responsibility uh, type of type of work, and that's important. So let's talk now about removing radical topics from American schools. You have spent some time talking to Ohio State Board uh, of Education members. Give us uh, give us uh, the the gist here of what your conversations have been about. Okay. What it amounts to, I've been to the Ohio Board of Education now. This makes my third time. Uh, The first time, I went ahead and talked to them about Title IX. Part of the reason why I went is because the Board of Education does not have the authority to deal with social issues. And they decided that they were going to implement CRT that way, as well as the proposed changes of Title IX. And that was one of my meetings. The second, the second meeting, I found out there are rules, rule of law that the Ohio Board of Education must comply with. And by doing what they're doing, they are in violation of the law. And what, what I've rules? also learned, what, what, what rules? rules? Yeah, what rules and laws are they okay. violating? First of all, you, you, you do know that it is illegal to discriminate, and that's what's going on in our schools. They're discriminating against white children uh, and trying to embolden uh, non-whites to be better. They're emboldening non-whites over the white children. They should be both of equal standing, and that's not what's happening in our schools. Uh, and this, is by way, this is by way of critical race theory you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But the way we stop it is so cool because, number one, did you know no official can discriminate? No so, no school official can discriminate against children. So if they go ahead and continue to teach CRT, they're in violation of the rule of law. And because of that, I am going to work on getting them removed. This is the whole crux of the situation. I want you to know in the Board of Education, like I said, I met three times. I asked them on the second time to follow the rule of law, that they can't discriminate, that children cannot be forced to use special pronouns. There is a law. Uh, What does the law law say relative to pronouns? Pronouns, okay. The law relative to pronouns is, and I I will read it to you, because, okay. Students do not shed their constitutional right to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate, which means they don't have to comply with the, with the teachers or the, uh, the school system itself if it forces them to use gender pronouns. They don't have that authority. So basically just First Amendment, you're saying First Amendment protections say they don't have to say things Pretty that, much, yes. that they don't believe yeah. in. Okay. So, so when right. you say a law, I mean, we're really just talking about the Constitution, the constitutional rights to not say what you don't want to say. And I, I agree 100%, by the way. Not right. only is the first, not only is the First Amendment uh, of, of paramount importance to, uh, you know, being allowed to say what we want to say. It is also uh, extraordinarily important that we not be compelled to say things we don't want to say. Uh, and that is something Correct. that is indeed a First Amendment violation. But as you know, school districts in Ohio and all over the country, quite frankly, are, are, are basically, you know, kind of brushing that aside and saying that 
um, it is also wrong to discriminate against individuals based on their sexual orientation or identity. And if you don't call right. them what they want to be called, you're doing the discriminating there. So how do you propose to balance that? As you point out, um, it is illegal to discriminate based on race or any other characteristics. Uh, they're That's saying it's correct. also, they're saying it's wrong to discriminate against the sexual orientation and identity of others by not calling them what they want to be called. You know what? Uh, certainly, yeah, we have gone through how many years now and we've never had an issue. They're making it an issue because what, if you're familiar with the book Animal Farm, sure. What it amounts to is they're, what they're telling you, we're all equal, but trans people are more equal. Blacks are more equal than everybody else. And that's the issue. It's not that we're, we don't recognize that the fact that they, uh, that we see them as, as an equal. They want to be more equal, and that's where the problem is, and that's what they're doing in our school system. They're empowering one explain, group of people explain over that the other. Equal, explain that equal or more equal uh, metaphor as it pertains to the race part. I agree with you when it comes to the trans movement and this sudden embrace of, and in fact, not just embrace of, but support and promotion of transgenderism among children. Um, you're right about that, about, you know, hey, boys have to use the boys' room, girls have to use the girls' room. Unless you say you're a girl, then you get the girls' room, you get the girls' locker room, the girls' shower room, the girls' teams, and so on and so forth. So I agree with you there, but when you say that it is promoting that blacks are superior or or uh, being somehow racially advantaged by these rules. You'll have to explain that to me. Uh, it, why? Oh, well, it, it, it's all the port of, uh, their point of indoctrination. In order, this is all to, de, to cause chaos or disruption in the schools. It's to, to cause hate and division. That's all it is. And this is I agree with that me. part, but I agree with that part. But Nancy, the, the reason I asked because because you talked about advantage, giving advantages to black students uh, because of some of these policies. I agree they're trying to sow race, racial division by telling young right. black kids that they're victims and they always will be right. because of because of their skin color, and telling little white kids that they are racist oppressors and they always will be. It's in their DNA. I, I agree that is intended to sow division, but I. Don't know that it necessarily advantages one over the other. I think it's disadvantageous for both both races. It is. It is because what they're doing in order to go ahead and make uh, Afro Americans, Blacks, whatever. I mean, not to be disrespectful because that's not the issue. But in order for them to do do this, uh, they are bringing down the level of education to accommodate Black children or non-white children. And others are suffering because. Okay, now you're on a different. Now you're on a different plane. Now we're talking about something. No, 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 no. It's okay. Uh, because now I'm understanding you a little bit more when you talk about disadvantageous or, or advantages. Um, uh, because first we're talking CRT, which did exactly what I just described. But now you're talking about lowering standards to accommodate underperforming black students. Right. That is and true. And that is a very that serious is issue where they are taking 
taking away AP classes uh, because not enough minorities, racial right. minorities, are qualifying for those classes, and therefore it's discriminatory. And so they're taking things away from students, whether they be white or Asian or anybody else, because um, there there's not enough equity in the school system and enough people of right. color who are part of that. Now, that is a very different story altogether, and I concur. Yeah, I understand. I didn't want to go down that path, but unfortunately, in order to explain what's going on in our schools, you need to also look at that. But to keep on focus here, what we're doing is we're going to stop this. I, that's the most important thing. We're going to stop it in the state of Ohio. And the way we're going to do it is to use our Constitution. And that is the issue. We will be successful. The, the issue at hand right now is I'm getting ready. I have applied to, I, I sent out letters to everybody from the General Assembly, and I have requested a redress of grievances. This is our right as citizens of the state of Ohio that we can redress our grievances, and our grievances is CRT and the LGBT agenda in our school. The way we yeah. do this, and the it's damage true. that they're doing to our students, which I which right. I concur. But but tell me more when you say because I'm I'm fairly confident that all of our Ohio Board of Education members and quite frankly all of our members of the General Assembly are aware of the Constitution. So when you say we're, well, this is how so. we're going to fight it, uh, we're going to tell them about the Constitution. They probably already know it, but they're 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 acting in 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 different manners, suggesting that there are other elements of the Constitution that allow us to do what we do. Right, they may know. But the difference is now we know, and because we know, we can exercise our civic responsibility to remove this from our schools, and that's the issue. So what? We know what so as you bring this, as you bring this constitutional interpretation to these board members and to legislators, what are they saying? Because, like I said, I'm pretty sure they already know what the Constitution says. But what are they saying to you? Okay. Well, as far as the board members, uh, the board of education members, I just filed 18 complaints against them, 18 complaints against 18 board members uh, at the Ohio Board of Education. I asked them to follow the rule of law that is required by education. They showed no interest whatsoever. So I am holding them accountable. And our Constitution provides us with the pathway to hold them accountable. And that's what I am doing. Everything is by the Constitution. And what it, what accountability what accountability, Nancy, are, are you are you using to hold the you know are you are you okay. using for this? Okay. There are in some states they still carry what we call surety bonds. In the state of Ohio in two thousand nineteen they changed it to a disloyalty and performance uh law. So what I did was I went ahead when they showed no interest and I gave them a 10-day turnaround time to go ahead and do what I have asked to implement the rule of law back into education. They chose not to respond. So what I did was I filed it. In fact, I filed it on July 8th with the, uh, not only with the attorney general, but also with the governor, because apparently the governor is fast-tracking any complaints to the Board of Education. So let me tell you how the surety bonds 
work. Well, 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 Nancy, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to the specifics of that now because we are okay. out of time. But I do know that you have a substack that you want other people to learn more about what your yeah. efforts are. Can you tell us what that is, that substack? Okay, it's called, sub. if you go on substack, and I will spell it to you, it's called just, J-U-S-T, Nans, N-A-N-S, news, N-E-W-S. And if you type that in, you can go ahead and look at all my research for the last two years. But what I do want to tell you while I have you on the phone is we are fighting against critical race theory and transgenderism in our schools. And the way everybody needs to help with that fight is I need you to go to Act for America. If you type www.actforamerica.org and you go ahead and you click on it and go to state campaigns, you will find our campaign on their site. Right now, we have 132,000 signatures. That's a good start. That's a good start. There's, of course, and thank you so much for that information. And we'll send people to just uh, uh, just Nans just Nans News, right? N A N S News at Substack, and then on the uh, mm-hmm. America page as well. Uh, that's a great start. 132,000 signatures. I'm sure it will take a lot more than that. But thank you so much for sharing your efforts with us. We appreciate it very much. It's 10:28 now. We'll take a timeout and come right back. And always right here. Life and the Pursuit of Happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France of The Answer. 1034. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. It's a free-for-all Friday. Phone lines are wide open for you at 216-901-0945 and 888 Just to follow up briefly on one of the stories that I did right before that interview, we I told you about the, uh, the Fairview Park thing, the Cuyahoga County tax dollars being used in Fairview for um drag show instruction for children how did how to do drag how to dress how to twerk how to perform for children for kids and yet the left continues to yell, tell us we're not allowed to use the word groomer it's not grooming why are you saying that you ho you you homophobe you you transphobe you 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 know you you bigot what do you call it then when they're doing this for children as young as 11, teaching the fundamentals of drag using your tax dollars? The Colors Plus Youth Center in Fairview Park says in its mission statement, its goals are to use holistic mind and body approach and have a safe space to empower LGBTQ youth and allies to grow as individuals within their community. Welcoming kids from ages 4 to 17. 4! What 4-year-old that you know knows what, what LGBTQ is? What do they know about sex or sexual attraction or sexuality? For crying out loud. And we're not supposed to call this grooming? We're not supposed to push back against this using our tax dollars? It's funding coming from a grant from Cuyahoga County tax dollars is being used for also monthly drag tutorials. One photo advertising the event on social media shows a child, a young child, having their makeup done by some Big, giant, hairy dude wearing outlandish makeup 
and sexualized clothing and teaching this person how to do their makeup. I mean, I'm sorry. This is this is absolute grooming. And anybody who tries to tell you that, no, this is just allowing kids to be themselves, their true selves, well, then what on earth are we to believe about the fact that they're four years old and five years old and six years old and having this alternative lifestyle, uh, lifestyle stuff being promoted to them? How are they supposed to find their true selves if they're literally being indoctrinated and groomed into this is your true self type of, uh, type of uh, performances? Out in Los Angeles, it's even worse. The Los Angeles Unified School District, the second biggest in the country, has created a guide on how elementary schools, mind you, elementary schools, that's what, K through 5, can organize rainbow clubs, which include lessons on LGBTQ plus liberation, activism, and protest art. It links it to a 20-page Rainbow Club activity guide produced by the school district to provide a detailed list of activities and lessons for kids, young kids, elementary school kids. The activity guide contains art, books, games, and other LGBTQ plus promotional Literature for kids. How do they dare tell us it's not grooming? Rainbow clubs are inclusive spaces for elementary students to explore sexuality. Elementary kids are not supposed to explore sexuality. This is a space, the guide says, for celebrating lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, non-binary, queer, questioning intersex, Ace and two-spirit identities. This is incredible. They call this fighting for social justice. This is trying to confuse and poison the minds. Literally brainwash these kids into what can very, very legitimately be called cults. Cult-like behavior. I mean, this is the kind of recruiting that is done by cults, religious or otherwise. What we're talking about here, honestly, we're talking about indoctrinating children into a lifestyle that is only going to lead them to pain, and especially if they go into the transing aspect, which is the number one growth model for the LGBTQ community, painful, medical, life-altering, and bodily disfiguring decisions. That's the reality. These clubs instruct students to watch videos that feature two male classmates expressing their romantic feelings toward one another. Now, again, not that anybody will listen to this, because they've already made their mind up that what I'm saying right now is bigoted and homophobic. I wouldn't want young children in K through 5, to be forced to watch video of boys and girls expressing romantic feelings toward one another. Because boys and girls at those ages are not supposed to be talking about romanticism or sex or sexuality. They're, a lot, they're supposed to be kids. The reality is that a second grader should be taught, a second grade boy should be taught that girls have cooties 
Actually, we don't have to teach them that. They figure it out for themselves. And third-grade girls know that boys have cooties. That's about the extent of the romantic nature of relationships between children at those ages. But they're being taught, not boy and girl, by the way, romance, but, again, I can't can't even say that With with a straight face, romance. They're sexualizing children. Specifically, they are homosexualizing children. They are bisexualizing children. They are transsexualizing children. All sexualization and sexuality other than heteronormative, straight sexualization. I wouldn't support straight sexualization either. That's the point here. Sexualizing children for the purpose of of changing their their mindsets, otherwise indoctrinating or or grooming them is something that simply cannot be allowed in our schools or paid for by our tax dollars. That's the reality. But that's what we have to. That's what we face. And again, I'll say it to you, but like I did before, this is why we fight. We have to fight to protect the next generation. We have to fight to protect the the simple heteronormative biological realities. Of, of American culture and human and human biology. That's just a fact. The nuclear family. It's all under attack. Alright, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Let's go to Berea. Sally is waiting on AM fourteen twenty the answer. Hi Sally, go ahead. Hello Hi Sally. Bob. There you are. Um I have an example of um right in front of our faces, the entire nation an example of the censoring and uh, criminalizing of free speech. And that is with some of the ridiculous charges that have been leveled against President Trump. And as you mentioned, one way to fight all this is with a ballot box. Yeah. Speaking of the ballot box, two months from today is an important date. October 11th is the start of early voting. For the November election. My reaction to the loss on issue one was to call the Board of Elections to find out when that date started. And a staff member told me it was Wednesday, October 11th. So now we can strategize and make the most of it to defeat the abominable attempts to change the Ohio Constitution. We can and must win this win this time um and also the uh the mass ma- media the mailings that i received on supporting um voting for issue one mm-hmm. they they were received in what you would call the third quarter uh one of them even Very had like, a yeah, mail-in yeah. ballot a mail-in ballot that didn't have enough turnaround time to reach uh, the Board of Elections in time. So I urge any any organization that is mailing anything or airing ads to get them out early, reach people in September and October. And I thank you for your support. Well, Thanks. thank you, Sally, and I'll, and I'll uh, appreciate the call. And I'll um, I'll follow up on that. <clears throat> By agreeing with her that the strategy was poor uh, in the in the yes on issue one camp, um, it did not come out publicly with enough. I mean, first of all, there wasn't enough money, and that's a hard part. It's hard to fight big moneyed special interest organizations that have four times more money than you do. 
So they had to be, you know, careful and judicious in how they spent it and when they spent it. And they figured it was better to spend closer to uh, August 8th than earlier, you know, than August 8th. In other words, rather than spending in June and July, they wanted to spend it, you know, in late July and in early August. And I get that because they had fewer resources. We need to make sure they have more resources now. And when I say they, I'm talking about those pro-lifers in this state who do not want abortion on demand up until the moment of birth to be, uh, you know, etched into the Ohio Constitution forevermore. And it will be forevermore. Do you know how hard it is to undo a constitutional amendment? It takes another constitutional amendment. And and so, I mean, it's almost impossible, which is why it was so important for us to try to raise that threshold for an amendment to 60%. We failed in large part because of funding and in large part because of late messaging. And this time we have to get a much earlier start. So the funds are going to have to be greater. You know that the pro-deathers, and that's what they are, I'll always remind people that the opposite of pro-life in this debate is not pro-choice because there is no way in any thesaurus in, in, in all of English history that shows an antonym or the opposite of the word life being choice. It's just not. The opposite of life is not choice. If you look choice, if you look up an antonym, which is the opposite of a word, the opposite of, of, of life is death, period. That's it. So the pro-death side is going to have just as much money. They're going to have more money for passing this amendment in November than they had for defeating the one that we just had on August 8th. So we are going to have to make sure that the funds are coming in. I would prefer most of them to come from within Ohio, and that means donate if you can, if we can. But it's also going to mean mean that Ohio's pro-life leaders and Ohio's pro-life legislators and Ohio's pro-life state elected officials step up and lead. Because far too few of them were leading. There were some. There were some. But far too few of them were leading here in Northeast Ohio. As a matter of fact, I would, if I wanted to make a list of enemies, which I don't want to do, I would read you a list of, of Republican leaders in Northeast Ohio who are absent from this effort, who did nothing to help support the uh, increasing of the threshold. There would be a list of people, if I read it to you, I would regret later on because, quite frankly, these people are on the same side and on the right side on so many other things. But they were absent without leave on this one. And that really, really disappoints and disgusts me, quite frankly. Uh, so it's going to take a lot more than that to, to pass this, or excuse me, to defeat this effort in November. Sally, thank you. We'll go to um, Gaza in Cleveland on line two. Gaza, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Hi, Bob. You were asking about uh, how um, we would fare in trying to defeat not just abortion, but this uh, legislation that's up in Michigan. It's like I have a bad feeling because the way people did not turn out to vote. And then also the pastors that refuse to speak out in the pulpit against you know, abortion and before issue one on August 8th is really sad. It's a pitiful situation because, oh, we have to protect our 501c3 status. Liberty Council, through faith to action, said you have every right to have political speech coming from the pulpit, but these pastors refuse to open their mouth and lead their congregations to vote. And that's where I see the problem. Yeah, and you know, I agree with you. Um, I'll say this, Geza, and thanks for the call. Um, 
Christians of all denominations are supposed to be pro-life. Christian leaders of all denominations, priests, pastors, reverends, uh, whatever, and, and quite frankly, Jewish leaders, rabbis, teachers, they're supposed to be pro-life. And being pro-life doesn't just mean I, myself, oppose abortion. It means promoting life and sharing that message with other people, especially if you're in a position of leadership. I agree with you. It was very, very disappointing to not see more of those faith leaders out there in front of Issue 1 because of what is coming on in November. And as I've said many times, this was not a ballot measure on on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, about abortion. But it will impact the ballot measure in November that is about abortion. This was about simply raising the threshold so that whatever is put forth to, to be etched forever and carved into the Ohio Constitution will have a strong majority support of the people. Not a simple majority support of 50%, which is really not even a majority, 50% plus one. So I was very disappointed, and I will do that right now. I will call on all faith leaders and elected officials in the state of Ohio. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a pro-lifer, to get out there and be in front of this and lead. I made some statements after the loss on Tuesday night, it was in a video that I did. I just popped it onto my social media feeds, uh, in which I said, "I'll see you in November. That's when the that's when the war will really begin." What happened on Tuesday was a battle, uh, but the next front in this bigger war will be in November. And I said what I'll say now. If you think that pro-life Ohioans, and we are a pro-life state are going to green light carving up little babies because they happen to be on the wrong side of the birth canal. And to put that in the Ohio Constitution, you are sorely mistaken. If you think that Ohioans, pro-life Ohioans, a true red state which we have become, if you think we are going to green light the butchery of living children, by allowing them, by virtue of the vague and intentionally um, ambiguous language of this ballot initiative in November, to to undergo life-altering and bodily mutilating procedures without their parental consent and the authority of the authority figures in their life, if you think we're going to greenlight that, you are sorely mistaken. I believe Ohio will rise up. And defeat this in November. But it will not happen um, without leadership, without strategy, without funding, and without planning. So if you want to bring, bring what I said to fruition, if you, want to, if you want to make me a prophet, then you're going to have to participate. And you're going to have to reach out to your legislators. And you're going to have to reach out to your faith leaders. And you're going to have to tell them, we've only got two and a half months We've got two and a half months to save millions of babies' lives in the state of Ohio. What are you going to do about it? Prove to them we won't greenlight that sort of sadism and that barbarism on our children. Prove that that's what we're made of. If we sit by and just wait for November to get here and hope for the best, we will lose. And the babies will lose the most. I'll be right back. 
Okay, 1055, Always Right Radio and AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get a couple more phone calls in here before the top of the hour. We're guest-free the rest of the way, so if you don't get on now, don't fret. You will be on in hour number three. That I can promise you. We'll go to uh, Strongsville and Tracy. Tracy, thanks for hanging on. You're at AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Hey, Bob. Um, good morning. Happy Friday. You know, I'm listening to you talk about the... Um the sexualization of children and and being indoctrinated into a very specific culture this 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 should be raising red flags 11 years ago i don't know if you recall there was a school in new york and there was like 12 girls who seemingly developed tourettes right doctors couldn't figure it out it, it always seems to affect girls we had uh, 10 teens in in uh uh, North Carolina, who started fainting and having seizures. You know, anorexia is still a thing, but if you recall back in the uh, late 80s and 90s, it was pretty rampant with girls in the same school districts. It's mm-hmm. a phenomenon that happens. Girls, for whatever reason, are very impressionable to these things because of the attention that they get. And it's the same with this non-binary uh, gender trans thing. Girls are being disproportionately affected. They are. Um, and Abigail Schreier has written extensively and spoken extensively about the social contagion that it is. Girls are absolutely peer pressured into joining along with one another. And they see, you know, like you said, the anorexia thing. There's, there weren't that many girls who actually had a psychological disorder that w- right. in which they saw their bodies as being overweight and they were real thin. They followed mm-hmm. and copied their friends. And this is exactly, exactly. what they're doing now. She, Abigail writes and talks about how, uh, you know, entire classes of, of seventh grade girls were all going to the uh, Planned Parenthood and other clinics asking for for pronoun, or uh, I'm sorry, for a pronoun, asking for puberty blockers uh, at the same time. The idea that all of them suffer from gender dysphoria, a rare psychological condition, mm-hmm. is of course, it's not possible. So they were all copying one another and saying, let's do this together. Girls, young teenage girls are absolutely the most impressionable uh, of all of those who are suffering through this. Well, my, my big issue is I, I don't understand how this is being endorsed, how doctors are uh, the same doctors who are looking at these other phenomenons as what they were, like a social contagion, are not at all connecting the same dots. And yet this is honestly worse. You're talking about puberty blockers and uh, removing girls' breasts. Can I, can I, I, can I, can I say the, 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 you know, talk about the elephant in the room about this, Tracy? These doctors have no interest in putting the dots together because the elephant in the room here is money. All of these kids who go through these procedures become lifelong patients. And what I mean by that is they are going to require routine, not even, not routine, they're going to require uh, extreme medical care for like like on a monthly basis, if not more frequently, for the rest of their lives. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars into the pockets of these medical mm-hmm. facilities, the doctors, the clinics, the centers, and so forth. Uh, if if they, The more kids that go through this, the more they make. They are seeing dollars. They are not. They have abrogated their oath, you know, the Hippocratic Oath, to do no harm. They are willing to do harm to these bodies because guess what? They then have to provide the remedy for the harm that they have caused for the rest of their lives. That's the reality. Mm. Nailed it, Bob. You have a good one. Tracy, thank you. God bless you. Appreciate you calling. That is such an important point. People need to know the reality of why this is being allowed by doctors who know damn well this is not actual legit, actually legitimate. They have a financial stake in all of this. We'll be back.
This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three, final hour of the broadcast. Final hour of the week, as a matter of fact, underway. Thanks for being with us on this free-for-all Friday. It's the 11th morning of the 8th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. So uh, we're going to take plenty of phone calls this half hour, or this hour, I should say, the uh, final hour of the show. Uh, but I do have a couple of other ones to get to you here. Um, did you see what the national average of uh, gas price is right now? The na- the national average for a gallon of gas now is back up to three eighty two per gallon. Three eighty two. Remember last year when Biden was bragging about how the gas prices were falling and it's all because of Bidenomics. Remember that stuff? Well, they were falling. Of course, from their record high of five dollars and five cents a gallon. If you remember, it was two thirty nine when Trump left office in January of twenty 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 one. It was two thirty nine. Biden jacked it all up, all because of his policies, and he he couldn't even hide it. Really, quite frankly, I mean, it's impossible because he said this. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking? In a Biden administration? No, we would, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. You no have ability for the oil. Well, Oops, a little bit of a cross uh, audio there. You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? That's how he came in. That's exactly what he did. Gas prices spiked at 505. Then they came down a little bit into the lower threes, and they bragged about what a great job Bidenomics was doing. Well, now it's back up to 382. And what is Joe Biden saying in his Weather Channel interview? I want to stop all drilling on the East Coast and the West Coast and in the Gulf. But I got I lost in court. But we're still pushing. We're still pushing really very hard. Look. The alternative is you get everything is better as we we, we have the private sector is coming off the sidelines. They've invested two hundred and fifty billion dollars in alternative energy. They're building solar facilities. They're building, you, you know, there's electrolyzers to take hydrogen and turn it. I mean, there's so much going on. Finally, finally, no one can any longer deny that we don't have a problem with climate change. Can you um, can you even begin to process the insanity of what you just heard? Americans are suffering 
because of what it costs for them to get to work, because of what it costs to drive their kids to school, to drive to uh, just their everyday ordinary needs, much less. Much less any discretional driving, any vacations, any amusement parks, down to the ball game. It's costing Americans more than ever before. And this guy says, I still want to stop all drilling. And do what? Put us all into EVs? Is that the plan? Put us all into electric vehicles? I got a story I wanted to share with you as soon as I, since uh, the moment I read it this morning of a guy who, who bought into the idea of EVs, a guy who said, yeah, um, let, let's, let's all get into EVs. It's the responsible citizenship thing to do. His name uh, is, uh, is Mark Mills. He's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, and he told the story of a Canadian guy um, who bought an electric vehicle because he said it was the responsible thing to do and now is telling the story that nobody wants to hear. Dalber Bala is his name. He bought a Ford F-150 Lightning EV in January for $115,000 plus tax. You don't think EVs are easier on your pocketbook or your wallet than gas is, do you? $115,000 for the truck. He said he needed it for work, but also wanted something suitable for recreational activities, driving to his cabin or going fishing or whatever. He said an environmentally friendly EV, because people like Joe Biden say that it's evil for us to use fossil fuels to put gas in our tanks. He said this was the environmentally friendly, responsible citizenship thing to do. But then he was hit with the reality of owning and operating an EV. And if you own one, you can call me and tell me about it. I would love to hear your story, too, but here's his. The reality smacked him in the face when he realized that a $115,000 truck isn't where it stops. He had to install two chargers to charge his vehicle, one at work and one at home. Cost him $10,000. To accommodate the charger, he also had to upgrade his home's electric panel. Another $6,000. In all, he spent $130,000 plus tax for his EV. But it gets worse. What about when you're trying to use these things? Not long after his purchase, he got into a minor accident. He said it required light assembly on the front bumper. Took the vehicle to a body shop. Didn't get it back for six months because it's so much harder to acquire what is needed to repair damage to the car batteries. He said no one answered his email or his phone calls for help. And then there's the limitations of the EV when he embarked upon a 1,400-mile road trip that he needed to make to Chicago. And anybody who has driven, I just drove to Tennessee and back, 14 hours round, 15 hours round trip, uh, uh, when we took our daughter to law school. That's why I had the wonderful guest host in that we did a few days ago. But I just took that trip, so I know what it's like. You do, too. Anyway, he took this trip to Chicago. The fast charging stations, which only charge EVs, by the way, up to 90% of their battery capacity, not 100%. But the charging stations cost more, uh, more than the gas does for the same mileage. On his first stop from Winnipeg to Fargo, North Dakota, it took two hours to charge his vehicle from 10% 
to 90% and cost them $56. You know how much that charge was good for? Another 215 miles. I put 56 bucks in my F-150, regular internal combustion engine, F-150, and it got me 469 miles. Cost him 56 bucks for 215 miles, and it took two hours on the fast charge to do it. On the second stop in Albertville, Minnesota, the free charger that was offered was faulty, and the phone number of the charging station was no of no help, so they had to drive to another charging center in Elk River, but the charger there didn't work either. And that's because the electrical grids are not able to handle this type of mass um, expansion of electric. Wait until Biden sees his vision. Well, he'll never see it because he won't last that long. But in 2035, wait until he sees his vision of, of you know, uh, an overwhelming changeover to an overwhelming majority of electric vehicles instead of uh, internal combustion vehicles. The sheer helplessness, the guy said, was mind-boggling. There were no other fast-charging stations within range of Elk River, and his vehicle only had 12 miles left. Ultimately, he had to have his vehicle towed to a Ford dealership, where he rented a gas vehicle to complete his family's trip to Chicago. The family picked up their electric F-150 on the way back up to Winnipeg. It was in the shop for six months. I can't take it to a lake cabin. I can't take it to off-grid camping. I can't take it anywhere where I need to actually get it recharged on the route. And this is what they say is going to be the answer. This is the solution. This is what they're driving us into. This is why Joe Biden said, once again, Stop all drilling on the East Coast and the West Coast and in the Gulf. One more time. Say that again. I want to stop all drilling on the East Coast and the West Coast and in the Gulf. All drilling stopped. East Coast, West Coast, Gulf, that's it. Certainly doesn't want any drilling up in Anwar either. No more oil drilling whatsoever. No more fossil fuels whatsoever. No more transportation that is affordable for the average American family. None whatsoever. That was his promise, and he is keeping You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? People, can you even imagine four more years of this? Can you even imagine? Not to mention what he's doing to gas stoves, not to mention what they're doing to air conditioning. Do you know how much they're about to raise taxes on air conditioning so that you can stay comfortable and cool in the hot summer? Do you know what they're about to do there? You have no idea. I'm reading about it. Trust me, and I will keep you informed. Not to mention, you want to go buy uh, an incandescent light bulb to replace on your front porch or in your, uh, in your, uh, in your, in your lamp? No longer can buy them. They're outlawed. You must have LEDs. So what if it costs $6 instead of $1.50? Just get used to it, America. This is the plan of these radical climate alarmist nuts. They don't give a rat's A about the middle-class American working family. It's unbelievable, except that it's very believable. Lisa Woods is in Medina. Lisa, thanks for your patience. Uh, you're on the air. Fire away. Hey, good morning. You know, the four years that Trump was president were the best four years in this half of my life because gas is so cheap. It, it's really it's it's really hard on the poor, um, you know, when gas is high. That sure. it's an assault 
on poor people because they can't, you know, they have a hard time getting to work and so forth. So when a, when boy, a thirty-five dollar when a thirty-five dollar fill up becomes a fifty-five dollar fill up, which is what happened when it went from from Trump to Biden, that twenty dollars has to come out of something. And then, of course, you multiply that by how many Phillips does it take for you to get through your work week? How many cars do you have to? So you, you, you're talking about 20, 40, 60, 80. You're talking about in each week, you know, maybe $80, $100 more than you would have had to spend when gas prices were what they were. It's got to come from somewhere. Where does it come from? Your clothing budget? Your food budget? Your entertainment budget? Your, your, um, uh, you know, your retirement? You can't put money away in savings anymore? I mean, all of that has a dramatic impact on not just the poor, but middle class Americans. All Americans are suffering because of these guys, this guy's policies. And it's hard to believe that literally, while we're suffering, while gas prices now up to a national average of 382 and rising, he's on the Weather Channel saying, I want to stop drilling in everywhere, East Coast, West Coast, and in the Gulf. That's just impossible to understand. I'm sorry, Lisa, but go on. That's okay. I think it hits the the family's grocery. Um, you know what what you have saved for the to spend on your groceries. We I know we ate better during those four years. Yeah, <laughs> so hard to yeah. Hey, Anything we else? do have a meeting tomorrow, and um, I wanted to mention that that uh, Frank LaRose is going to be speaking. Um, he's our Secretary of State and also a candidate for the U.S. Senate, so I'm sure we're going to hear about both <laughs> issue one and his candidacy, of course. You know, um, and also uh, we'll be showing a short documentary that FreedomWorks had put together. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called The People's House. It's a I documentary. Have not. I have not. It, it's. It's fantastic. It's a documentary about what was going on um, earlier this year when it took days to, you know, uh, elect the Speaker of the House in the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives with McCarthy. I remember my brother calling me saying, "Lisa, what are these jokers doing? They're they're making us look bad." And I said, "I said no, no, that don't listen to the media. There's a plan. There's things that they're fighting for, and if they don't get it right, they're not going to, you know, just um, uh, you know, vote for McCarthy." And that's exactly what was happening. And this documentary shows it, and it's really exciting. So uh-huh. for those that uh, like to fill in those blanks. Please come and watch this documentary. Nine o'clock tomorrow at the Thirsty Cowboy in Medina, right? That's right. It's at the uh, Antique right. Mall at uh, eighteen and seventy-one, awesome. nine a.m. Lisa, thanks so much. Always great hearing from you. Thanks, Bob. All right, take care. Let's go to uh, Rose and Vermilion next. Rose, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Fire away. Hi, Bob. Um, I just wanted to uh, mention something about the issue one. I don't know if you've seen the uh, article that Dewine is encouraging voters to vote no in November and uh, that was yesterday and it's posted on the CFFS Facebook page he's going to have to do more than that he's going to have to do a lot more than that because you know what he was absent in vote yes on August 8th he he made a a quote unquote official endorsement saying I support yes on on issue one on August 8th Rose but he did nothing he did not go out to speak to clubs and organizations and groups and and travel the state the way so many other true leaders did if he would have done his job there and supported that uh, maybe we could have passed this thing uh, in uh, on Tuesday Uh, so I'm glad he wrote something I did did not see it to answer your question, but he's going to have to do more than just write a little uh, note and saying, I support uh, voting no on uh, uh, on November 7th. He's going to have to get out there and lead. You're right, Bob. But this morning, now, get this, he is saying that he's willing to compromise ahead of the November vote. 
And the video, there's a little two-minute video, you know, from uh, him being interviewed by somebody from the news. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are saying, no, no compromise, no compromise. So, you know, it's like a little late to whine. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, it's weird. I'm seeing conflicting stories about that as I read my news this morning and, and yesterday as well. I have seen him saying something to that effect that maybe we can find something that's in between the heartbeat law, which we have, um, and the radical abortion on demand until the moment of birth that they want in that amendment in November. So he's looking for a way to kind of split the middle. Um, but, but then I also saw comments from him in headlines and saying it's too late to do anything about November. Uh, it's too late to change the stat, or, I'm sorry, it's too late to change the status of that now. It's all going to be about what happens in November. So I'm seeing conflicting reports. Mm-hmm. All I know is that if Mike DeWine is 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 anywhere near the pro-life governor that he proclaims to be, he's going to have to work a heck of a lot harder to defeat this thing in November than he did to pass the amendment two day, uh, three days ago. Yes, you're right. All right. Rose, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's a headline I did have in my stack here today um, about Mike DeWine, and, and, and he is saying he's uh, you know looking for a compromise of some sort, uh, but then he also said it's too late to do anything like that. We're going to have to just win the fight in November. But he better be one of the champions in November, or actually between now and November. He's going to have to actually lead, which is what he was elected to do. Uh, BJ's in North Olmstead. Hi, BJ. Go right ahead. I want to get back to the abortion issue. There are 50, 40, 30, 20, and 10-year-olds that are not here because they were aborted. We have aborted future teachers, future business people, uh, family members, future parents. So the abortion thing is not just about killing the current young ones that are being born. It's about those that are not here. Their souls are not here. At, at least up to 50 years, we have been killing the souls of people. So when we speak of abortion, we're not talking about just the current abortion. We're talking a lot of people that would have been in their 50s and maybe their 60s that are not here. So we have to become more aware that if we're willing to kill babies and the future, what kind of people are we? And what yeah. religion do we believe in? Thank you for your time. That is, thank you, BJ. That is a perspective not enough people think about. It's not just about the babies, but what the babies become. What do the babies become? They become kids. And what do they become? They become adults. And what do they become? They become voters and they become leaders. And you're exactly right. By the way, here's the clarification. On Wednesday, DeWine floated the idea after the loss on Tuesday of getting with the lawmakers and trying to change the abortion policy and find that middle ground kind of a thing. Then on Thursday, this is WCBE.org, Thursday, yesterday, he said, uh, it's too late. Now is not the time to be able to make changes to the abortion policy. We just have to fight it out in November. So, you know, he's kind of gone back and forth on that. He just needs to step up and lead. That's what the governor has to do. He was elected largely on being a pro-lifer. There were a lot of people who were believers and supporters of Ohio Right to Life who said, we'll vote for Mike DeWine on the basis of pro-life. Now he needs to step up and earn that title. Well, this guy roofing is roofing done right. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 1134, we continue. Uh, one more segment on Always Right Radio. <clears throat> I'm reading some fascinating comments on the discussion of my post on the electric vehicle story I did at the top of this hour. Joe Biden, uh, again, demanding an end to all federal drilling East Coast, West Coast, and Gulf. 
Uh, he wants everything converted to electric. He wants uh, electric vehicles to be uh, the dominant vehicle in short order and to be the only vehicles allowed to be used in the United States in the long term. He won't be around for that long term, but this is what he is pushing toward. And you will not believe, uh, particularly because of the story that I told you about the Canadian driver who bought himself a Ford F-150 electric vehicle truck and the disaster that it is to get it to, you know, to be able to use. Um, comments are crazy. It's all over my Facebook post. If you are following me on Facebook, um, you can contribute to the conversation there as well. I might even read some of these on the air. But first, we'll go back to the phones. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Dan in Middleburg Heights. Hello, Dan. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Dan. Uh, in regards to uh, Tuesday's election, I, I need to make one comment and bring something to your attention. Uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about, but... Uh, during the evening from 6 to midnight, during the election, uh, I keep flipping. Uh, I have uh, Spectrum, so and I always look for the weather. They do every 10 minutes, but they also continue through the evening on, on that election. They, they had a, a map and uh, a commentator referring of what's going on throughout that whole evening from 6 to midnight through 95% voting. They maintained a gap. For for uh, for no's of between two hundred fifty and four hundred thousand, and they were bragging every segment of USA poll that was fifty seven percent prediction that that this was going to lose, and they were saying that through the whole evening and never mentioning any other poll, and and they were right on the money. There was that fifty six point eight percent, and the guy kept bragging about it through the whole evening. Now this is a this is a left station, by the way, mm-hmm. but they, they kept emphasizing that, and in the end, that's what happened. It's I don't know the final figure, if you're honest with you, but it's around 57 percent that that we lost. Now there's eight million people. I think it was that. I think it was. I think it was eligible voters. Only it, three million showed up. And can you hear me? This is a Dan? huge problem. This I I believe the people that call your show that say that Ohio's in the in the in the top five percent corruption because. There's no way if you say this is a red state and everybody doesn't want, uh, you know, abortion. You, I, I, I hate to believe that there's 250 to 400,000 people that voted on Tuesday that are that stupid that with only one referendum issue, they don't know the difference between the no and the yes vote. That's a huge problem. It's no wonder Sherrod Brown is, uh, uh, you know, senator in our state for two terms. Three there's terms. a problem with voting. Three terms. He's looking for his fourth. Well, um, he's looking so, for it. Okay. Yeah, Excuse exactly. me. Okay, well, you're making my point even more. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I agree so with you. So the problem uh, is I don't care what the Secretary of State says. I went to my precinct. They had a rookie with a supervisor and three other people. When I walked in the door at 630, showing him where, where I had to go sign something and everything. They were training him on the day of the election. That I, I would. They had 30 days to train a guy. Now, when I go put my ballot into the tabulator, I'll, I'll end this with Joseph Stalin said, I don't care who's doing the voting, it's who's counting the votes. Who's counting and the I votes, believe yeah, for anybody always. to know 57% throughout the whole day and evening while you were coming back from Tennessee, there's a problem here somehow. I don't know the whole answer. 
but it doesn't look yeah, good. Yeah, that number is exactly what it ended up being, too. And, you're, and thank you, Dan, for the call. So you're right to, of course, be alarmed by the fact that they kept coming up with that number, and it turned out to be 57-43. Uh, That's what the final total was unofficially. I don't know if I actually saw the final number of votes, but it was 57-43 by percentage. So I agree. Uh, there is something smelly about it. I don't know exactly what to make of it. I'm not going to make any allegations, but other than to say that's just too coincidental uh, for it to be coincidental. Uh, let's leave it there. Joe in Westlake. Hi, Joe. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. As you know, I'm no fan of DeWine, but I have to say this, credit where credit is due. He's the master politician of this state. And here's a suggestion for DeWine and his fellow uh, you know, Republicans in the legislature. The way to kill the November amendment is to make a legislative amendment to move the abortion decision to the county level. That's not going to be fun. We're not going to like that, but it will at least get us somewhere. It'll kill the November amendment. It'll take votes away from it. They're not going to have 90 days to get it on the ballot, but they can talk about doing that so they can guide voters away from voting yes. Um, you're going to have to explain that to me again. When you say put it, how would the, how would the legislature take away the, the vote in, in November? Maybe I misunderstood you. They're, they can't take away the November vote, but right. what it's they can do, in. right, what they mm-hmm. can do is propose their own amendment. There's three ways to pass an amendment, citizen right. initiative, legisl- you know, legislative and convention. So they propose their own amendment, and what their amendment says is that each county gets to decide on abortion decisions. Then they tell the public, hey, look, public, we know you're all upset about abortion, uh, you know, you, you want abortion. You're, you're, there's a good chance you might vote for this. But you know what? Don't vote for it because we have a better bill. Our bill gives you the ability to vote for it at the county level. So it's the compromise that DeWine's talking about. That I don't know how vote. that would work, though, Joe. Um, if you have two amendments, two constitutional amendments on a ballot, whether one is citizen-led and the other it, one legislative-led or not, if they, if they actually... Um, it, won't, would, it won't be on the ballot. It won't be on the ballot. We don't we don't have the 90 days to get it on the ballot. That's what DeWine was talking about when he said we don't have time. Right. But they can talk they can talk about the fact that they're working on it. Like in other words, hey, we're working on something better than than this. No okay. reason to vote. Okay. Yet. So you so you're looking. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a it's an interesting thought. I like outside the box thinking. I do, and it is very outside the box. Not this. Obviously, you're right. This is a normal, natural way to to get an amendment. You're right. You can do it that way legislatively to be introduced there. But the point being that those would be competing results. Um, and if the one passes in November, there is no legislative amendment that the uh, that the could be proposed by the legislature that would would undo that. I mean, it would literally yes, have to. There, Yes, there is. They they would so? include language. They their amendment would say, this amendment supersedes all previous abortion language in the Constitution, and mm. declares that all abortion decisions will take place at the county level. Thus, it automatically eliminates that. I, I would also I would also ask this though, Joe. And and again, I like the thinking. Um, if we made it a county-by-county county decision, we're still going to have millions of, of dead babies in Ohio because where did all of the where is all of the pro-abort, pro-death crowd, where do they live? They congregate in Cuyahoga County, Franklin County, Hamilton County, Lucas County, and so forth. The rural counties are already not doing abortions in large numbers, um, but the ones that want it will still have access to it. They will all vote for it in their counties and say, we want abortion on demand. 
That that's true. That's the horrific compromise. It's a horror show, but it's better than the whole state. Okay. Well, you know what, Joe? I appreciate that. Thanks for the call and thanks for the explanation of what your idea is. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and I'm, I'll be honest with you. I don't think even such an announcement of a future amendment uh, would deter those who are who are pro death um, from doing this in November anyway. I really don't. I, I think their their minds are made up. Uh, they want. In fact, I was reading a number of tweets this morning from those who were you know supportive of the November amendment, and they're talking about hashtag return to row, return to row, return to row. All they want is the return to row, and all they're calling this is a return to row. Um, and there's nothing that's going to make them change their mind about that. They're wrong, of course. It is so much worse than Roe ever could be or, or even ever was um, because of what this does. You know, the specific language, I was reading the specific language, and they're trying to convince us that the language just returns the standard to Roe versus Wade. But, but here is the specific language, if I have enough time here in the, in the segment to do this. The language reads, quote, Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage, care, and abortion. And we'll stop right there, because that's all you need to know, to know that this is so much more extreme than Roe, because it does say any individual, not adult, at the age of consent, but every individual has the right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, which then takes us into the transing issue, a reproductive decision, a reproductive decision to sterilize oneself in the process of transitioning from one sex to another or attempting to. And that means since the individual only can make up the decision, parents are out of the loop. And that's something I hope we are able to hammer home between now and November 7th. Thanks to everybody for a great week. I appreciate you very much. Have a great weekend. Be well, be safe, stay free. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.